morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Let's stand to our feet and worship Jesus this morning.
see some weak smiles there. Thanks. You can be seated. Okay. How's everybody doing? Wow. Summer has hit, hasn't it? We need to invite some summer friends. Does anyone have summer friends? <laughs> Well, it's good to worship here. We've had a great time this weekend, and it's going to be a good day today. And you know what? The game went over so well last week. We're going to do another game. We've done it. We did it Saturday night. We're going to do it. Uh, okay, everyone watch Tone as he goes and gets the chairs. All right, so I need three volunteers. Is Alan Payne in here? Alan? And I'll, I'll tell you why, because he was the winner last night. And uh, here's what we're going to play. Face the cookie. Face the cookie. So I need three volunteers. And Alan Payne was the winner last night. I was going to put all the winners together, but I don't see him here. Uh, so who's going to volunteer? Do I see three volunteers? Or <laughs> so you walk in late, you get chosen. Come on, Joe. Come on. Yeah, awkward. Give Joe a hand. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Who else will be brave? We need someone. Oh, come on, you guys. You're the All right. Come on down. Yep, you're going to be perfect. Now we need a girl right here. All right. There you go. I am so proud of you. That's pretty awesome. So here's what we're going to do. It's called Face the Cookie. And you're going to take my lovely assistant here, Peyton, who's also our worship leader. Um, we've got Oreos here. Yeah, let's see. How do you like those lights? <laughs> okay. So uh, you're going to take an Oreo. You're going to put it on your forehead. And without your hands, you have to work it down into your mouth. <laughs> okay? Yeah, not hard at all. So we're going to give you 90 seconds, and the one that you have to stay seated. And the one that gets the most cookies in your mouth gets bragging rights. Now, the record is three. Someone in the last service got two. And uh, I just think someone here can get four. Okay, but there's, remember, there's a strategy to it, so th you got to think, okay? Here we go. One, two, three. Here we go. Oh, you're kidding me! Oh, look at that. Look at that. Oh, look. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, all right. You don't have to eat it. 
a hand. So how many did how many did you get? Oh, that's tied with. Would anyone like an Oreo? <laughs> you can have the whole pack. Good morning, y'all. How you doing? Have you ever played the face game? What is it called? The face. The, face the face cookie. The, <laughs> you never know. You go. What's going to happen when you come to Salem Fields? Uh, but it's a. Uh, Good to see y'all today. Glad you're here. Y'all survived the rain? Yes, some of you did. The rest of you didn't? How many's got flooded basement? Oh, I'm really sorry. I wish I could help y'all, but I'm really tied up today. <laughs> Playing golf. Anyway, welcome to church today. We're really glad that you're here. Uh, we're going to take our tithes and offerings in just a few moments, and uh, we appreciate your faithful giving. No doubt summertime is here. Just look around as everybody's enjoying their vacation, their time away. So I appreciate those of you who are here today and those that faithfully give of your tithes and offerings so we can uh, get through summer and into the fall. It's an exciting time uh, to be uh, in the church during the summer because there's no problem with parking or seating or all that kind of stuff. So thank you for being here today. Now we're going to check into Facebook, right? As you check in Facebook today, you're letting people know that this is an awesome church because if you're here, it makes it awesome. And so your friends say, wow, that must be a great church if they go there. So I uh, appreciate if you check in on Facebook. And uh, did I say anything else about that? I did the offering, right? Yeah, okay. Just want to make sure. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, we're glad that you're here today. And uh, we'd love to meet you out at the first-time guest table. We have a little gift for you. You never know what you might find in there, so you might not want to walk out uh, with uh, without getting one. And so we'd love to uh, meet you and give you that gift, and we're glad that you're here today. We're having no Saturday night service next Saturday night. That probably doesn't matter to you because you come on Sundays. But if you happen to come on Saturdays, uh, you will be the only one here uh, next Saturday because everyone else will be over at the county fireworks over at the Stars and Stripes and so enjoy that, take your family and be a part of that, and then come on to church Sunday because we have a great message on Sunday that I think we all need to hear and under, better understand, understand suicide and, uh, and how to deal with that in our culture today where it seems like uh, people are uh, without hope and seem to be uh, doing that uh, more and more. And so we want, to learn, want you to learn about that so that if you're struggling or you know someone's struggling, that you can be a part of that. Gay's going to bring that message, and she's been working on it for some time now. And so uh, bring a friend. If you have a friend that's struggling, it would be a great Sunday to bring them to church with you uh, next week. We also have a service at 9, so you can bring them to that. If they say, well, I can't go at 11, well, you can come at 9 as well. So we're also starting a class next week on uh, Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. It's called Back to the Basics. It's really an understanding of our core beliefs, what we believe, and uh and, and how to apply that to our lives. And so we hope that you uh, would be a part of that if you need to understand more about the faith and more about what we believe uh, about uh, certain things in the Bible. That would be a good class for you. you got free child care. And uh, all they ask you to do is, uh, all we ask you to do is bring a snack and uh, make it a good snack and uh, so that we can share Oreos or work. I like those new thin Oreos. They're not as fattening. You can eat about 10 times more. <laughs> and so, anyway, we're glad you're here today. 
So we're going to continue to worship with our tithes and offerings during this next song. So as those buckets pass by, join us in worship as we celebrate the joy of the Lord. Joy, you 
it's all about praising the Lord. And it's all about how the praise that he's given us um, on our lips is to ever be for him. Um, and so I don't know what your week looked like. I don't know what you're battling with. I don't know what you brought with you into this place today. Um, I don't know what baggage you're carrying. Um, if you're celebrating, I'm not sure of all that. Um, but I do know that the Lord is good and he's worthy of our praise. Um, and Daniel 3, one of my favorite verses is it says, and if not, he is still good. Um, and so regardless of what's going on in your life right now, if it's good, if it's bad, um, the Lord is in it with you um, and he's fighting for you. Um, and so during these next few moments of worship that we have together, um, let's just set aside whatever it is that's hindering us from fully encountering the Lord today. Um, I believe he has something special here for each and every one of us. Um, and so let's just make an effort in these next few moments to just put those distractions aside, that baggage aside, whatever's holding us back from fully experiencing God this morning. Let's just put those aside um, and let's just allow the Holy Spirit to come into this place and move like never before.
so much for your presence here with us right now. You promised us that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And God, if there's distance between you and us, it's because, Lord, we've turned away. And so, Father, I pray that this morning that we would turn our hearts and our minds to you and just give you praise no matter what's going on in our life. May we be the people that push back the circumstances or the situations that we find ourselves in and look squarely in your face. Look into your eyes, Jesus. I know from personal experience that you change us, you move us, you give us clarity. Father, thank you that you've made a way for us to have a relationship with you. And I pray, Lord, that if there's someone here this morning, someone online that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that today would be the day that that relationship begins and forms. Father, we know it's only in you that we find our hope. Thank you, God, for being with us today. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory for everything that happens here today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Wow, what a beautiful time of singing and worship, and uh, so thank you for engaging in that. Well, this is my friend Chris, Chris Becker. She is here today to deliver an incredible message. Uh, Chris is a pastor at a church in Northern Virginia. Chris, tell us the name of your church and where it's at. Church planter of a church called Vine Church. Um, we're in Falls Church, Virginia, so just right inside the Beltway um, by Washington, D.C. And um, we're about a year and a half old, so um, it's been an adventure and just uh, really being a church that loves the community and makes Jesus real and relevant to people's lives and people that are coming to faith. So it's been exciting. It has, and it's been uh, enjoyable to, to kind of walk through that. Uh, with Chris and see all the twists and the turns and the challenges that come along with that. But she yeah. is up for it because uh, she loves the Lord and is guided by him. So you went to seminary. I did. And where did you go? I went to Wesley Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C. Um, if you're familiar with like American University, like Northwest Washington, that's where it's located. Yep. And so you are in the Methodist Church right now, but you're actually a Nazarene pastor as well. Yes, yes, I am. We work together. You know, we build the kingdom. Yes. So before Chris was called into the ministry, she had another profession. Would you tell us what that was? Yes, I was a marine um, biologist. <laughs> I, but note, note to self, I did not play with dolphins. I played with algae. Algae. So much more exciting, trust me. <laughs> so much, and it doesn't talk back, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't give you a hard time. It doesn't give it. you a hard time. It just kind of sits there yeah, and you it grow just things does. and analyze it. How fun. No wonder you went into the ministry. Exactly. <laughs> so it's from algae <laughs> to Jesus, and I think it's a good choice, don't you? I would you? say so. I think it's a good choice. And so um, I saw you really getting into that game that we were playing, and I, I saw her I, salivating. I saw you it. coming up here grabbing the cookie. I was I was going to beat you to it. Yeah, almost, so. <laughs> that was pretty cute. <laughs> it was great. And uh, so why do you, uh, is it Oreos that you love? Pumpkin spice Oreo cookies. A little taste of heaven on earth in my, <laughs> yes. So I know some of you say, ooh, you know, you develop taste sometimes. Yeah, but pumpkin yeah, spice is amazing. your gig, right? Pumpkin spice all, all year right. long. So it's so good to have Chris here. It's finally, we've gotten to get her down here at Salem Fields Community Church. So would you make her feel welcome? Thank you. 
So I've been told that Salem Fields is a little bit of an edgy crowd. Can I get a what? What? Let's do it one more time. 11 o'clock, you're awake now. You've been caffeinated like four times already. You've had children running around you. So can I get a what? What? Yeah, that's what I'm talking. So good morning to everybody here. I'm glad um, you're here with us today. One thing Gay forgot to mention was um, she's been a mentor to me. Um, and that's been a really important part of my life and my spiritual journey as well as my ministry. And I, I think for all of us, it's always great to have somebody that's a little, a couple of miles further down the road that can speak truth and love into your life. Um, so if you don't have that, um, I would say try to connect with someone that, that can help you. I know here at Salem Fields, there's many people in small groups and pastors that can, can help you with that. So, um, so I'm going to share a message today that um, titled Drawing happiness. Um, uh, there's, there's something that's made me happy throughout my life so far, um, and that is drawing. Um, I've always been a kind of doodler and cartoonist. Um, I took some art classes when I was a kid that tried to make me draw like still life. I thought it was boring. If you're still life artist, no offense or anything, but I like to draw like the caricatures of like Bugs Bunny and all the, the different cartoons that I would watch on TV. And I realized that I'm a bit of a visual learner. I don't know if there's many of you that would identify as the same thing. So I like to hear things, but, but if I can see them, it kind of sticks in my brain a little bit better. So to go along with the message today, I'm going to be drawing up here on the board, and I think you got a piece of paper, too, in your, in your uh, bulletin, too. If you're such the person as I am and like to draw, whether it's stick figures or cartoons or otherwise, um, I invite you to participate along with me today. So, so drawing happiness. Um, I don't know about you, but... I think it's a question that at some point in our lives we all face. Um, and whether that's you know it or not, whether that's something that you've actually, this is me by the way, my little emoji smiley person. Um, but, but I think we all realize at some point that most of life is a pursuit of happiness. And I would dare say, especially if, if, um, if you are, are not a, haven't placed your faith in Christ, that, that most of the time we're thinking, like, how can we get to the next happy thing? Um, and so th there's this question I think that we're all really answering in our lives, whether we thought about it or not, is how do you draw a happy life? You know, what is it? How do you draw a happy life? What, is it, what does that look like? Um, so when I was in middle school, I had an awesome math teacher that let me doodle on the sides of my math tests um, when I was done, and he would make comments and all sorts of stuff. I, made, I grew up in Philadelphia, made lots of Phillies jokes. I have to say the least, go Phillies. I beat the Nats too, right? Um, but back to the message. So, um, so I, I love to draw things, and, and I think around that time, middle school-ish, I started to think about like the rest of my life, right? What, what would it look like to live a happy life? And I grew up religious but not in relationship with Jesus. Um, maybe some of you can relate to that, that I knew who Jesus was, but I didn't see me being a part of his kingdom building and his personal relationship in my life. Um, but I started to think about what would that happy life look like? Well, to, to put it simply, I, I think for most of us, a happy life can kind of be illustrated like this. It starts off with probably having the perfect parents, right? That's gonna start you off on the best track. There you are, the little, little bit, aw, so cute, right? That you have the, the perfect parents, you're the perfect mom and dad, and they love you. They show up to all your ball games. 
They believe in you. They pat you on the back. Maybe they spank a little bit of this at times. They, they treat you well, and, and it's going to set you up for the perfect happy life, right? That's going to start out your, your happy life. But then when you're a kid, you kind of go in this direction here, um, uh, in order to continue your happiness, um, especially around birthdays, Christmas time, people buy you things, right? They buy you lots of toys to make you what? Happy, right, right. There's my, this is Tickle Me Elmo. I was a child of the 80s and 90s. Um, you know, they buy you lots of toys and games and, you know, we're gonna have some old school blocks and things here. Lots and lots of fun things to make you happy, right? And then, then you head to school and your, your parents sign you up for all activities and, and you choose things that are going to make you what? Happy, that maybe it's music, maybe it's, it's football, it's sports. Um, maybe there's, there's different uh, awards that you win there that are result of that, those achievements. There's your little you know, participants trophy. You know, we'll put a number one on there because everybody's a winner, right? That's what Pedro says. He goes south of the border. You're a wiener with Pedro. You're a winner with Pedro. But, but you kind of move through life, and, and you realize, okay, when I win things, when I, when I eventually do this, uh, maybe some of you have participated in this recently or gone to a party for a family member. Dun, 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 you know, graduation. Graduating makes parents especially happy, right? Right, they're gonna be out of the house soon. What's up? Oh, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, a little bit richer too. And, and so you go on, whether it's a high school or a college, or, but, but then you maybe go choose another school, right? But you should make a college choice or a Votech choice or a job choice, specifically because that's the place or the career that's going to make you happy, right? Because not just that, not just the thing you're going to be doing, but you earn a lot of this. You know, you got the, the bills here, stacks and stacks of them, and we have our little electronic credit card. There's your numbers, there's your chip right there. You scan that, so, because your bank account, a full bank account guarantees that you're gonna be what? Happy, right. And then, then a happy life continues when you meet the hottie. You know, he's gorgeous, you know, she's amazing. And, and you go and you, you find that person that completes you, and lo and behold, you're not lonely anymore, and, and you spend thousands of this on the, 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 that ceremony and that day, because that person is gonna make you happy. And then, oops, then you're gonna buy the house because that's what you do it's the perfect house with the picket fence and lots and lots of great stuff because the house is also going to bring you happiness it's going to make you happy and then you're going to fill that house with children right children always bring happiness have all these little little kids running around to fill that house and it's going to bring happiness to your life well i think when we think about what if we could predict what makes a happy life most of us would draw it something like this and you would have elements of each and every one of these things that we make predictions about what makes us happy. And this is kind of the circle of life. 
But the way we're able to do that, I don't know if you know this, but biologically, I'm a scientist by background, so biologically there's actually a part in our brain that allows us to do that, and that's called the prefrontal cortex. It's a part of your brain that allows you to make predictions before you do it. So, so for instance, if, um, if you're gonna, t before you reach out and you touch that hot burner, you know, from experience, you're going to make a prediction that that's going to hurt, so I might as well not do that. Before you get in your car and you, you look at your, your traffic app, you know, you're gonna make a decision which route that you take. It allows you to make a prediction that this, this app is telling me to go in this direction, but it also goes for happiness. But for a second, I wanna test our prefrontal cortex here. And I know we just played a game, so I'm gonna ask you to participate here. I'm gonna ask you to contemplate two futures and um, determine to yourself, determine in your mind, which one of these futures do you think is probably going to result in a greater level of happiness. And the first is winning the lottery. Not a proponent, let's protest, you know, don't go home and say, now, you know, Chris said I need to go play the lottery. I'm not saying that today. But if you won the lottery, you know. Uh, the second possibility is becoming a quadriplegic. A quadriplegic. So one scenario is you win the lottery, one is a quadriplegic. So, so what do you think, a year after winning the lottery or becoming a quadriplegic, which group of people would be happier? How many for lottery? Like, just raise your hand, honestly, how many? Okay, how many for quadriplegic? Okay, there's a couple hands. So, so the results show us this, of course, right? We made this prediction. Well, actually, I lied. Because there were studies done in the 1970s that actually revealed this. An equality of the level of happiness, amazingly, lottery winners, a year later from quadriplegics, both had an equal level of happiness. This is over hundreds and hundreds of people who have been surveyed, an equal level of happiness just a year later. The things that we predict are not always true. The things that we assume will make us happy are not necessarily connected to happiness. So going back to our circle of life here, I think there's those of us in this room that have achieved these things. You know, you have the multiple degrees on the wall, you, you've been involved with all the activities and you maybe even been successful. You've earned the big bucks finally, you found the right person and you realize it didn't quite bring you happiness. And maybe there was something else that was that you've been involved in uh, uh, that's not listed here that that you realize that thing that you've been chasing didn't make you happy. That expectation was not true. That thing that your brain told you to do was not actually lining up with happiness. And I think there's others of us too that are here that have experienced this. You didn't have the loving parents growing up. You never got stuff. You never were good at anything or you were picked last and you quit. You never made those achievements. Maybe you never graduated. You didn't earn the big bucks. Maybe you haven't met the right person or you did and they just, it wasn't that fulfilling. Or, or maybe that house never happened or maybe you wrestle with infertility and you struggle with that and you make the assumption that therefore I cannot be happy. That there goes the end, that, that happiness is not possible, that my world is collapsing. But I might dare say today that that's your prefrontal cortex talking. Because scripture shows us and Jesus shows us 
that the things that we think make us happy don't. But Jesus points us to the possibility and the ability for us to be happy because of things outside of the circle of life. And specifically, what it means to have a relationship with God outside of depending on all these things for our happiness. Because the point of the story, no thing, nothing will make you happy. Happiness cannot be achieved by a thing. It's achieved by a who, a relationship with a who. And so Jesus, it's interesting because Jesus reveals to us this very thing that we've experienced, as well as the thing that research has shown us, that true happiness needs to happen from outside the circle of life. And the way that Jesus does that is there's a section of scripture in Matthew 5, which is in the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' kind of inaugural sermon, his the giant speech there. And, and it's in Matthew 5 that there's the beginning of his, his sermon where he, he talks about these little pithy sayings that really drive home the meaning, the true meaning of happiness and the unexpected places that we find it. Now Jesus flips happiness on its head. He flips it upside down as something that's not met with from within the circle of life, but that is rather met through relationship with God. And so nine times in 12 verses, Jesus talks, uses this word happy. Some translations say blessed. It's the, it's the same word, makarios, there. And, and I, if you're a parent or if, if you grew up, if you have parents or a guardian, you know, if mama says something nine times, what should you probably do? You should probably listen, right? You should probably pay attention. So just note to self, you know, look, you look up from your phone, you, you start, you know, give mama a call, whatever. And it's the same thing with Jesus, too, that when you read in scripture, when Jesus repeats something over and over and over again, it's time to pay attention. And so Jesus' kind of happiness that he points to, this lasting happiness, how we draw it in our lives, is the opposite of what we usually predict. So let's start off with a word of prayer as we enter into Matthew's gospel today. Lord Jesus, um, we thank you for your words, for your timeless words, Lord, here that speak to us today. The very same things we wrestle with, Lord, that I acknowledge here today that there are some of us here who are not happy. That it's been weeks, it's been months, maybe it's even been years, and we've struggled. We've tried to look for happiness by medicating it, by filling it with other things, Lord. But, but help us today to be open to your word, to, to what you have to say to us through your Holy Spirit, too, as you, as you speak through me today, Lord. Uh, speak in spite of, of my own weaknesses. Speak your message. Allow us to be open to the challenge it is, especially in our day and age and our culture, for what it means to find and draw happiness in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's one thing that you can go home and say or post on Facebook or Instagram. Jesus showed up at Salem Fields today, right? I hear he feel, shows up often, but you can say you saw Jesus, okay? So, so the story goes, Matthew 5, a little bit of the background. Um, I want you to picture your favorite concert, outdoor concert venue. Picture whether that's uh, Meriwether Post Pavilion, Jiffy Lube Live, some other place that you've been. Think of the lawn seats. You know the lawn people. You know, they're the cheaper seats, the people with the picnic, the mudslides when it gets all super, super wet. Um, and I want you to think of that because that's kind of the setting for where Jesus is speaking. So you have throngs and throngs of people that are gathered here, and they're ready to see a show. 
That's really what they're showing up for. They have expectations. And their expectations are based on what they've heard about Jesus as the miracle worker, as the prophet, as the teacher. And so they show up looking for, for something amazing to happen. You know, maybe they bring their, their, their coffees and their popcorn with them, ready to see something awesome. They have little signs up here that say, go, Jesus, right? Yeah, they have little things that they're posting, and everybody's on their phones ready to tweet out the latest words that Jesus has to say. There's so many expectations. And, but yet Matthew tells us, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Those are the disciples, they're closest. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Happy are the rich and powerful and have it, people who have it all together and who are perfect. No. He says, Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are those who mourn, Jesus, what the heck, you know, for they will be comforted. Happy are the meek, what? for they will inherit the earth. See, Matthew highlights Jesus opening his mouth as really a turning point because Jesus is changing the definition of happiness. And I know most of us here, uh, we come from uh, some kind of background, whether it's religious or not so much, where we have an, an idea of where happiness is connected or not connected to God, and I think we fit in one of two categories, right? There's some of us that grew up in a church or in a, in a faith community that, that uh, God is not, doesn't want you to be happy, right? That your kind of theme song in that church or that growing up in your household was, um, if you're happy and you know it, just repent right? Just like, don't smile in church. Don't you, you know, wipe that off your face, young man. Like, you know, you're not supposed to be happy. God does not want you to be happy. He wants you to be miserable. You know, maybe you've been to a church like that and you're like, wow, this is interesting, right? Uh, but there's others of us too that have equated uh, ha our happiness with a sense of almost a religious feeling. That we assume that if it makes us happy, therefore God is okay with it. That happiness is kind of a connection to God itself. But Jesus isn't talking about either of those two things. He, he's, he's proving something different. He's sharing a different truth. He's saying God actually does want you to be happy, but his way of being happy. And the way he does this is when he speaks, he's taking something that these people would have been used to hearing. He's taking these pithy sayings that in the time that, that he was speaking that would have been known by everybody, and he's flipping them upside down on their head. See, he's using this word that we translate happy or blessed or even lucky, this Greek word called makarios. Can you guys say that with me? Makarios, makarios. So you can also go home and say you learned a second language today. You just learned some Greek. G little GSL, Greek is the second language. Um, and so he uses this, this word Matthew tells us, makarios, which means happy or blessed or lucky. And the way this pattern of speech he's using is a, a kind of version of pithy saying called macarisms. Macarisms. And they kind of went something like, you know, happy are the blank, for they will be blank. And, and the Romans use these all the time. They use them as a means of keeping people in their place. Happy are the powerful because they have achieved everything that, that they were supposed to be promised. Happy are those who are, are rich for they can, they can spend their money as just as they please. That, that, that's kind of the pattern of speech that the people were used to hearing. It's kind of like if, if I would say early to bed, early to rise. How does that continue? 
makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise, excellent, or a penny saved is a penny earned. You know, we kind of know these sayings. The people would have known these sayings differently. So when Jesus is connecting this, he's changing the definition of happiness. Rather from being this state of prosperity and richness that was almost disconnected from anything religious, he's taking it to a different level. And the way that his definition of happiness is peace with God. It's a lot different than the emotional roller coaster. You know, some of us are in kind of a happiness um, feeling that's almost like going a ride at King's Dominion, right? One day you're like, ooh, it's the best thing I'm on the top of the world. And the next day you're like, I hate everybody. I hate my life. It's terrible. And I'm going to post everything on Facebook and let everybody know about it. And, and, and so, but, but Jesus' definition of happiness is peace with God. That it's a peace that endures no matter what. And in order to get to that point, he, he says that who is truly happy, it's not who you usually think. Once again, prefrontal cortex, the expectations, it doesn't line up with who you usually think. See, we usually think that we draw happiness through things like power, power and independence, that I can do what I, I can get things what I, how I want them, I can do what I want. But instead, Jesus shows us that you actually draw happiness first through dependence. That instead of independence, instead of power, that we actually draw happiness in our lives when we're dependent. And I'm not saying codependence here. This is not codependence. This is dependence on God. When we can fully realize how poor we are as, as human beings. And so he picks the kind of the least likely candidates for bliss. He says, happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are the meek. So what does this have to do with anything? Well, the poor he's talking about, the kind of language he's using, is descriptive of the kind of the poor, the, the people who were the street people. So if you've ever visited a developing country, maybe on a mission trip or, or for work, um, you, you've seen people like this. That, that are kind of are homeless in this country have, nothing, you know, have so much compared to people that are eating out of garbage bins, children that are, are, are starved. You know? uh, this is, that's the language that Jesus is using here. These are the people that the Romans and the Greeks said that the gods didn't care about, that they, they weren't even cared about by God anymore. And so, so Jesus, though, he's, he not only changed the definition of happiness, but he's talking about to say that the people who have nothing are actually the richest because they show their dependence. Um, the poor, but not necessarily the, the people that don't have a lot of money, but he says the poor in what? Spirit, spirit. And the word here is pneuma. Pneuma, if you've ever had pneumonia, the, the word comes from the same, the same source. Pneuma is a word for spirit. It means spirit or breath or wind. And, and it's the same word that's used in Genesis that says the, the ruach or the pneuma of, of God blew across the waters of chaos and created the world. And Jesus is using this in a sense, the poor in spirit, in, in that sense of those who are basically nothing left. People that are totally, you would say, life has left you out of breath. I'm, I, I love to run. Uh, I love to run all sorts of crazy races, sometimes in places where there could be um, animals lurking here and there, whether bears or mountain lions, you know, kind of running through the woods. You run faster when you think that there's animals out there. But, but there's been some races that I have to say, halfway through, I got nothing left. I got nothing left. I am guessed. Um, they call it hit the wall, whatever you want to call it. It does not feel good. 
you know, totally, totally out of breath. And I think for some of us in life, we've reached that point that we would say life has left us out of breath, whether it's through a financial situation or a relationship or just like the perfect storm. You've had like 15 things happen in the last two weeks and they all can coincide together and you're like, I just got nothing. I got nothing left. Jesus is pointing to the fact that this state of being actually leaves you most available for this, dependence on God. And he talks about a second group, um, those mourning, right? Those who are, are mourning. The people that the, the Romans at the time have been telling everybody that, that you, need to avoid, you need to avoid mourning. That you should just like suck it up and you should just keep going. And in our society, in our world, there's often times that we feel the same way. But mourning connects us to being comforted. Comforted by others, you know, I believe that sometimes the power of presence, we underestimate the power of presence, just being with somebody. You don't got to say anything. Don't say anything stupid, right? When somebody's mourning, you don't have to go up and say, heaven needed another angel, you know, it was, you know, God only wanted them this time. You know, I've been told that with people have passed, and that was part of, the part, part of my story that actually turned me away from the Christian faith for a while. But instead, those who are mourning can be comforted because they know that their, their hope is dependent on God. That we can be comforted, we can miss the person who's here, we can miss that stage of life even, we can mourn lots and lots of different ways, but we know that we're depending on God for the rest of the story. It's a rich place of being. And then he mentions meek. Meek, it's a word that's not used in any of the other gospels. Um, you know, and I don't think I've ever met someone who told their kids that they want, you know, you should grow up to be meek, right? We don't just like, don't say that. Meekness is kind of associated with weakness. We equivalent the two. But meekness is actually a word that means restrained strength. Restrained strength. See, being meek means that you trust that you are under God, you are depending on God's hand, not your own. That instead of getting the last word, and ruining that person, you hold back your strength because you're going to allow God to fight your battles for you. See, we depend on God. When we find that dependence on God, that's the richest place to experience happiness. We, we usually predict that we can find happiness in things like power and control. Uh, but Jesus is saying, no, it's through being poor in spirit, through mourning, through, through being meek, that we depend on God. That's the, the sweet spot, the happiest place to be. And why do you think that is, though? Well, there's a favorite show of mine that I used to watch. I guess it was the 80s, 90s-ish. Um, anybody else a fan? Anybody got MacGyver fit? Yes! Okay, you are my people. I love you. So, MacGyver, I was, like, all gaga over MacGyver, I have to say. Like, that's, that's a picture of me, like, oh, you know, he's so cute and hot. And, um, and then, uh, so if you've ever watched the show, um, it's a story about this, this guy, this brilliant guy, and he's always after these bad guys who are going to destroy things and people, and he usually has a team of people with him. But every single episode ends the same way, right? You can turn on the last 10 minutes, you'll get, like, the same story, that there's some bad guy out there. They're going to, like, light off a bomb and destroy lots of people or a building or whatever it is, and MacGyver and his friends, they're locked in a room. And they're locked in a room, and there's nothing. And there's a clock ticking. They're looking at their watch. They're like, what's going on? And they look around, and they need to save the day. And MacGyver, because the brilliant guy he is, he looks around. And what does he find? He finds a paper clip. 
And then MacGyver goes to his friend and he takes a hair tie. And then he sees a ruffled bag of chips back here. And before you know it, lo and behold, he's created a bomb. He's blown up the building. He's gone outside. He's rescued the people. He's turned off the bomb, silenced the, the bad guys. And the end of the story, the good people win, right? That's like the end of the story. Well, going back to our dependence, I think dependence changes how we see. That we begin to see everything that we have in life, the small things especially, as a gift. That you begin to see things with different eyes. When you are at the end of your rope, when you got nothing left, you begin to see that there are people in your life that matter. There are things that you do have. You know, you begin to see with MacGyver eyes when, when you, you, you're mourning. You know, you begin to think about life differently, that the things you were worried about, those little trivial matters, you know, being upset with so-and-so, and that, does that really matter in the big scheme of things? You begin to see life as a gift. See, dependence links us to God, that we're seeing life as a gift, and that brings that peace with God, that true happiness that we see through different eyes, that we see things so much differently. So I don't know about you, are you dependent on God? Or are you dependent on something else? Are you being fueled by something else for your happiness? You know, do you need it? Do you need Christ? Do you need anybody? Or are you trying to do it all by yourself? Because Jesus is saying that dependence on God is the, the, a point that brings us to true happiness. But, but there's more. He continues and said, Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Happy are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Well, most of us tend to think that happiness comes from acquisition, right? We get more and more. The more degrees we get, the more things we buy. Um, uh, ladies, I'm going to talk to you for a minute since I'm one of you. Um, you have a special occasion to go to, and you need to find something to wear. So you go to your closet, you open up your closet, you look around at all the shoes, all the things hanging up, and what do you do? What do we say? Got it. I have nothing. I have nothing to wear. And yet, I have enough clothes in there to clothe a native aboriginal Australian village. <laughs> uh, and I have nothing to wear. And so what do I do? I grab my purse, I get in the car, and I go and I buy more. And I fill up more and I add more to my nothing to wear. And, and before I know it, I have even more nothing to wear. And, and we, we get into this pattern of thinking that happiness is achieved through just getting more and more, you know. That the, the latest iPhone is coming out, you know, and I know this is a special struggle for parents that, you know, the kids are like, oh, I need the, what they have. I, I, I need this. I need that. I need that. But I think many of us would say, though, do those things necessarily keep us happy? No, because then you're, you get the thing and you're already on to the next thing. Think about what you don't have. Well, Jesus is flipping that around. And instead, he's saying not through, through acquisition, but actually through sacrifice. See, Jesus knows this more than any of us probably will, that sacrifice has a power in it that acquisition doesn't. That, that sacrifice is something that, that we begin to not only see differently, but, but we begin to see that, that what we have is, is more than enough and that we have enough to even give away. 
So he talks about the hungry and the thirsty. Um, he talks about the people that, that, that are hu hungry and thirsty, not this, my little knife and, and plate, if you didn't know what that was. Here's my cup. Um, the hungry and thirsty, but not just for, not for food, but for righteousness. He didn't put self-righteousness, note that. He says righteousness, God's righteousness, people that look outside of themselves. Um, in the same way, he talks about being merciful, being merciful. When you extend mercy to someone, instead of beating them up, instead of getting the last word, the last laugh, instead of telling them that they need to, to treat you as, as you did, instead of being those angry, you can be merciful because you're reflecting the character of God. You're chasing grace that you can sacrifice something that you have for the sake of someone else. Uh, being pure in heart. The easy thing I found is to hold a grudge. You know, the, the default in our lives, whether it's your house or whether it's your heart, is to be dirty. The default. If you do nothing else, the dirt will somehow accumulate in your house. You have no idea how it happened, but two weeks later, I guarantee your floor will be disgusting. Um, I've... This has happened to me before, even I'm a single adult who lives alone, and I walk in sometimes, I'm like, how, I don't know what to do, like, how did this get so dirty? I just kind of live here on and off, right? I'm in here, in and out. Um, but the same thing with our hearts, that if we don't guard our hearts, if we don't guard our hearts to be pure, to forgive when we need to, to, to forgive, to let things go, then there, the dirt's going to accumulate in here, and it's going to prevent us from experiencing this. So being pure in heart involves sacrifice. It involves letting things go when they need to be let go. That instead of holding things onto things and allowing them to penetrate deep and to kind of turn toxic almost, that we give that back to God in order to handle, that we depend on him. But then Jesus mentions, the, the last group here, he mentions the peacemakers peacemakers, not peace chasers. You know, I think we'd all say here we want peace, right? Some of y'all want peace and quiet. Some, some of y'all parents, um, you, you know, moms especially, like you lock yourself in the bathroom, like just to get some peace and quiet from the kids, right? Like, what are you doing in there, mom? Just like, you know, go away. This is my like peaceful place. That we're all after peace. But when it was the last time you were a peacemaker? Meaning, when was the last time you sacrifice your own peace for the sake of someone else's peace. Because in order to be a peacemaker, you got to step into a battle. And not your own battle, but someone else's battle on the behalf of someone else. Someone else that you see the train wreck is going to happen, and you know that there's going to be some casualties involved. You know that even yourself, the relationship might be strained, but you do it anyway because you're willing to bring peace at the expense of yourself. That's what it means to sacrifice to find ultimate peace with God, to find happiness. But this last part as we just wrap up today. I think this, this hits home with, with most of us. Where Jesus wraps up his uh, Beatitudes, this section of scripture, and says, well, happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you when people insult you, persecute, and falsely say all evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Look, look ahead, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, often in life, we connect happiness, we draw happiness through thinking it needs to be perfect circumstances. 
that we need to have perfect circumstances in order to be happy, but Jesus shows us that we draw happiness by living in God's promise. That it's through his promise that when we have nothing left, we have this. Think, in your circle of life, all the things that you have, all the things that you have achieved, if they would all disappear tomorrow, could you still be happy? Absolutely. Because this does not go away. See, God has promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. And with God, there is always a next. And whether that's the chapter of your life that you think is the ending point right now that you can't even see past, or, or whether it's even death itself, that God's got it all taken care of because it's through Christ, his redeeming grace, that this will always stand. That there is always a next chapter to the story because he's promised us that. That the kingdom of heaven is yours. That's something nobody can take away. Nobody can come up and steal from you. Um, many times we think when we become Christians, when we place our faith in Christ, that everything's going to be butterflies and rainbows, right? You're going to skip through the door and all of a sudden, boom, everything's going to happen. But dare I say in scripture, it shows us the opposite. That the very prophets, the people that spoke on behalf of God, they were tortured, they were put to death, they were thrown into holes. That Jesus tells us that life is not going to be easy. And if you believe that the God that you're following means that life is going to be perfect and, you know, I shake my fist at him if it's not, that's not the God that Jesus is pointing to. Instead, he's pointing to a God that says, in all that, in spite of whatever the world throws at you, you are rich, you are happy because you always have this. So back to the question, how do you draw happiness? Well, happiness is something that Christ has to offer alone. That it, happiness cannot come from within the circle of life or else it will always be tied to the circle of life. And whatever spin of the circle of life that you find yourself in right now, there will always be something that will threaten to seal your happiness. And there will always be something that is missing. But Jesus shows us this story that we can rejoice and we can find lasting peace with God because in all this, as crazy as it might seem, that God is enough, that his love and grace is enough, and that you discover through these unlikely places, when you take that risk, that you discover that you too are drawing happiness in life. Happiness doesn't change when it depends on Christ, who does not change. So I'd like to pray for us today, knowing that um, there's some here that I know in your heart you want to believe this, and in your head you're like, I want to, uh, but I'm just really struggling, Chris. Like, I, I, I have so much going on in life, there's, there's so much that is swirling around me, and I want to be happy, and, and I'm just here to tell you, you can't make yourself happy. You need to allow Christ to do it for you. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to dwell from inside you. And so I'm going to pray for us today, and the, the band's going to share a song that I think connects perfectly to this, this message and the, the words that we've been sharing. So I'm going to ask you to, to bow your heads with me as we join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, uh, we come to you today as a people who are, are broken, Lord. Some of us here are, are ready to make a decision in life and we're choosing is what is gonna make me happiest. Lord, instead let our question be what is most faithful to you? 
Lord, for some of us, we're just not feeling it. We're, we haven't been happy. We're not happy right now. We haven't been happy for the last 20 minutes, two weeks, 10 years, Lord. Lord, I ask today that your spirit just penetrate deep within our hearts, that we make ourselves available to you to realize, to see through spiritual MacGyver's eyes that there is so much you have given us and so much more ahead. Lord, for those of us here who have not decided to follow you, that we've been following so many other things that we thought would make us happy and it just keeps falling through again and again, Lord, that we would realize that there is truth in your word, that, that the Son of God came for each and every one of us to give forgiveness, that we can accept your grace and we can step into that peace that surpasses all understanding today. Lord, help us to see you clearly. Help us to experience you. Help us to know you better, Lord, as we grow into your disciples and to share your light with those around us. Lord, I praise you and thank you, and I love you, and pray this in Jesus' name. Money that the world can mounds made of solid gold, the riches that could buy my dream. You are better than all these things. The prettiest face to turn their eyes, beauty that could hypnotize.
second time that I've heard this message. Thank you, Chris. Great message. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this morning, the kind of happiness that uh, Chris is talking about can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't find that in the world. You can't find the kind of happiness that God gives uh, outside of relationship with him. And maybe you're here today and you've known about God, but you've never really known him personally through his son, Jesus Christ. I don't know, I just felt as I was standing there today that there might be someone here today that just needs to uh, enter into that relationship with Christ and ask him to forgive you of your sins and invite him in your heart to be your savior. So can we just pray together this morning? We bow our heads and maybe you're here and you'd like to experience that kind of happiness that's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you today, would you just pray this prayer with me? It's a simple prayer, but it's a prayer of uh, expressing uh, your belief in Christ and, and confessing your sins and inviting him into your life to be your Savior. So if, you, if you'd like to know Christ today, uh, we're not going to embarrass you in any way. Just going to ask you to pray this prayer. You can pray it in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray it by faith, believing that God hears your prayer today. So if you'd pray this with me, Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. So pray this, Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sins. We've all sinned, the Bible tells us that. Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sins. I invite you into my heart to be my Savior. And then you just simply say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. Now, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to invite you to, at the end of the service, there's a, a table back there with the pastor, Pastor Mark, and uh, Pastor Toby, and they're over there to talk to you and, and uh, have a, just want to talk to you about what God did in your life today, and they have a little um, help for you that you could take with you that will help you under, better understand what God did for you today. So if you prayed that prayer today with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, would you just simply make a commitment or make a stand today in a, in a way to just raise your hand and say, God, I prayed that prayer, and I believe that you heard my prayer. And, and I'm going to look around, but no one else is. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, would you slip up your hand? Anybody like that today? Yes, all across the auditorium. God bless you guys. Just stop by that table. It'll do you really good. They're nice guys. And so, Father, we thank you for those who have given their life to Christ today. We thank you for the word of God and the message today. But, Lord, we thank you so much that your spirit has moved in the hearts and lives of those that are gathered here this day. And maybe you're here today and maybe you're, uh, you know, you're in this place of just, you've been trying to find happiness in all the wrong places. And maybe you walked in today just pretty uh, down and out, not very happy with life, not very happy with circumstances, your marriage, your finances, your children, your job. And, you know, you've just been trying to find hope and all our happiness and all those things. I just want to encourage you today to just persevere and dedicate your life completely to God today. Just dedicate your life completely to Him. Sell out to Him today and put your hope in Him today and not anything of this world you're here today and you say, buddy, would you just pray for me today? I'm in a bad place. And I'd just like for you to pray for me. You just slip up your hand and just acknowledge you're in a bad place today. Yep. See your hands. See your hands. Father, thank you for every hand that was raised today, Lord. The honest heart today, Father, in a bad place. 
not very happy. Came to church today maybe looking for happiness and peace. And so, Lord, we know that it's only found in our commitment and complete dedication, surrender to you. So I pray for each one today, Lord, that you would wrap your loving arms of love and care around them. I pray this day, Lord, that they would take their eyes off their problems, their eyes off of the things that have brought them to this point where they just needed to raise their hand today and put their eyes squarely on you. And know, God, that happiness, happiness that nothing else can bring is found only in our relationship with you, Father. Remind us, Lord, each of us during this week when we're just not feeling happy, that happy is not found outside of our relationship with you. So, Father, we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Chris, for a great message. And thank you for bringing a friend with you next week as we have a message on suicide next week that will help us all to help people that may be in our lives that need our love and encouragement. Have a great day. God bless.